In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, me and my guy Richard Stamen, Mr. Mavs Draft, we will discuss the 2022 rookie class and share our thoughts on how the guys are performing now that we are close to the halfway point in the season. Stay tuned. Big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. It has been a little while. We haven't done a, a rookie update podcast in probably a month. I mean, I was traveling to Africa. Sam's been working. He's an accountant. Lee's been doing jazz stuff. Richard's been doing his thing, watching <laughs> players in smaller conferences. But we want to talk about the 2022 pick. But before we get into this episode, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com, Locked On today to get started. Richard, how's everything going your way? It's been good. I'm. Uh, I've really liked this rookie class, especially after we've hit the halfway point. We've uh, we've seen a lot of growth, and it feels like we're going to see a good uh, end of the year too for a lot of these rookies after the All Star break. All right. First off, the biggest surprise and the biggest disappointment. Just what are the first two names that come to mind? <laughs> biggest disappointment. I mean. It feels like there haven't been a ton. I mean, Jabari Smith, I feel like should have been more efficient at his size. That one's tough for biggest surprise. I mean, Jeremy Sohan being as good as he's been, especially lately. That's a name we talked about last year about somebody who I was like, he's going to be bad year one. He hasn't been bad. So I've been impressed with, uh, with what I've seen from him all around. Yeah, I know that, uh, <laughs> you have very strong takes about, about Sohan last year. But, I mean, that's the thing that – and I, I said this to Sam, and I, I said to you, you know, the draft Twitter world is full of groupthink, right? And you can't be afraid to, like, express your opinion, and you can't be afraid to, like, have strong takes. We're all going to be wrong. I mean, the teams are wrong, right? And so I just respect the fact that, you know, you had your thoughts on Sohan. You expressed them last year. And – People may remember you for possibly being wrong on this one, but they'll forget about all the guys that you were right about. That's just unfortunately how the game goes. And a lot of people are just look to play it safe. And so here on the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast, we don't play it safe. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah, there's a there's another name I'll get to that I was even more wrong on, though. So that would be fun. <laughs> yeah, I can't even think about it. All right, we'll, we'll get to that. All right, Ben Carroll. What have your thoughts been on Bancaro? Has he exceeded expectations or is he about where you, where you thought he would be? Yeah, I mean, he's exceeded expectations. Being a top guy and getting to the line, just a ridiculously polished score with a lot of room to grow in that area. I've been impressed with everything I've seen from him, on, especially on offense. I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> I I thought that he would do what he's doing. I, I mean, I... To me, he was in a tier by himself. I thought he was the most NBA-ready. I thought that the passing stuff was something that we did not get a chance to see of a lot of Duke. And, I mean, I think he's going to be a 25-point-per-game scorer by year three 
at at the latest. So to me, he hasn't really been a surprise. Um, obviously, Chet isn't playing, but we can talk about the Thunder and we can just kind of guesstimate like his role next year because the Thunder might actually be a playoff team this year. I mean, like seeds five through 13 in the West are like, I don't know, four games apart. If if that is it's something close, the Thunder's right there in the mix with the Lakers and the Suns. And I mean, you in, in the West right now, if you lose two games, you could be <laughs> like 13th. You win two games or three games, you could be as high as fifth. So should the Thunder try to make the playoffs? And then what is your thoughts on Chet for uh, on his role next season? Yeah, I mean, for starters, I don't think Oklahoma City should go out of their way this year to, to tank. They've done that in a couple of the past seasons, but I don't think they need to do that this year. Just ride the wave. If they make the 10 seed, 11 seed, it is what it is. If they get the 8 seed, I don't see anything really much of a downside in that. They get winning now, especially with that young of a team. But with Chet, I mean, it's been obvious how much that Thunder team has missed having a center, especially when, I mean, there were a lot of injuries. And in fact, some of them are still going on. But they had Kenrich Williams at center. Imagine that with Chet instead. And they were doing well in that stretch too. Yeah, I mean, JRE was playing a lot of center. I know that's one of your, one of your guys that, that you were high on. I think they should go for it. I really think they should try to make the playoffs. I think, I mean, I don't know the Gilgis Alexander situation. Of course, there's a lot of speculation that he might be tired of losing and yada, yada, yada. I do think that um, it's almost like you already have a pick next year coming anyway with Chet, right? So adding, you know, a, a late lottery pick, I mean, I just think it would create a log jam, but as of right now, I have them selecting, like, based off of Tankathon, I have them at 13th, and I have them selecting Grady Dick. So I guess adding Grady Dick and and Chet Holmgren would be pretty good. You'd add a shooting, and you'd add, a, you know, some size and, and a rim protector. All right, let's 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 talk about Jabari Smith. Jabari Smith was the third pick in the draft. He was the guy that was the favorite by a lot of people. I can say that I wasn't as high on Jabari as, as others. My comp for him was Rashard Lewis, which is not bad, but you know how it is. If you don't compare somebody to like a multi-time all-star Hall of Famer, people are going to think you're crazy. I think that he's um, he's in a situation where Houston is just not, <laughs> not the best situation to be in. Um, the the point guard play or just the the ball movement hasn't been great, but now that Shingun is they're running offense through Shingun, Alperin Shingun, they're showing some promise there. But if you had to give Jabari like a grade, like what would you give him? I mean, given the context, it's still it's easy to give him benefit of the doubt, and I do. But he still has just been too inefficient. The three point shooting hasn't been there. The defense hasn't even scaled up as strongly as we thought it would. And I, I think he's definitely the most uh, hurt player by this situation among the young players by this bad, just everything that's going on in Houston, uh, especially though they don't have a point guard. So I'd still give him a C just because of the context kind of bumps him up a little bit. But the efficiency in defense, I really thought they would be better. He's just struggling to shoot and he's not dominating guys on defense. Yeah, last night was probably one of his worst games. Six points, two for 10 from the floor, 0 for 5 from 3 for 3 and. 29 minutes. The raw numbers are okay. 12.7 rebounds per game, but 38, 30, 
80 shooting splits. The free throw percentage is good. So you have to, you know, believe that the touch is there. He's obviously a much better shooter than the numbers indicate. But my biggest concern for him was how does he score if somebody's not setting him up? And that was my whole case for why I would take Paolo number one is because I just won't take a guy number one that I think needs to be spoon-fed open looks. All right, number four was Keegan Murray, guy that Sam was not high on <laughs> at all. And Keegan is playing well for a Sacramento team that is, what are the third seed in the West or something like that? So here's a question for you that's kind of related to this 2023 draft. Seeing the success of Keegan and seeing that he's contributing on a playoff team, does that help Chris Chris Murray, his twin brother's draft stock? I personally, it wouldn't for me. I think NBA teams will trick themselves into saying that. Like, I think they'll believe it. I personally wouldn't, but I see them that playing out that way. Here's why I think so. If I'm an NBA team, and I don't think nobody's going to take him in the lottery, but if you're a playoff team, I think he's an absolute steal because he's 23, and I'm going to tell you why I think his age helps him. From a team perspective, you're going to get a guy that's close to his prime on a rookie contract. <laughs> so in four years, if he's 27, and if he's, you know, some people think your prime starts at around 26, if you got a guy that is at 26 or 27 and you're still paying him $3 million a year, he definitely exceeds his value, even if he's averaging like 10 and 5. So if I'm a playoff team, I'm definitely going to select him. But it's just crazy how the production is very similar. One-year difference could be a 25, 30 pick, pick difference. So what has been your thoughts on Keegan? Has he exceeded expectations or is he about right where you expect it i think he's exceeded national expectations honestly this is exactly how i saw it playing out especially like i don't think summer league generally means anything this is one of the very few exceptions they had him playing so many different roles and he just thrived at everything it was spot up shooting cutting creation just being a hound on defense he did all of it when asked to, to do it and he's been doing the same thing uh since he's been in the nba and for the last month, he's shooting 50% from three on six attempts per game. Like he just fits everywhere. Everything they ask him to do, he's thrived at. I'm excited to see what he looks like in a few years when it's him instead of both him and Harrison Barnes on the Kings. Cause I think they hold each other back a little bit. Interesting take there. I mean, they're, they're winning. I, I wonder like if they win a playoff series, how much does that impact what they would do with, with those two if they're going to split those guys up? All right, when we return, we'll talk about Benedict Matherin and Jaden Ivey. But before we get into those guys, I want to talk to you about our new sponsor. Very excited about this. It is FanDuel. FanDuel is the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that is even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and, more importantly, easy. If you're a new customer and if you join today, you'll get $150 in free bets, guaranteed, $150. And all you have to do is place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOnNBA. FanDuel has all of your favorite bets from the money line to the point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-day parlay. It's on the app. It's safe. It's secure. 
and it is super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. There's some big conference championship games this week. So place your first $5 bet and get $150 in free bets. Win or lose, it is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports book partner of the NFL and Locked On. Right, once again, you are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. This is your host, Rafael Barlow with Richard Stamen. And we're just sharing our thoughts on the 2022 NBA draft class. Before we get into before we get into Jaden Ivey, I wanted to ask you, do you think that this class overall has lived up to the expectations? I think so. I think Paolo being this good has helped a lot. We obviously judge at the top. We have a guy who is already a top 50 player as a rookie. And then Jabari Smith has underperformed a little bit. And then we have an unknown at two. And I think that's going to really judge it. But having Jaden Ivey, Benedict Mather, and all this depth in the lottery be so good so early, I think it's been a good class. And, you know, it had a little bit of a reputation uh, by a lot of people saying, oh, it's a weak draft relative. Like, I think everybody looked at next year. But I think they've made a statement for their for themselves as the 2022 draft. I, I agree 100%. All right. Jaden Ivey, what are your thoughts on, on Ivey? He's been inconsistent, but the flashes we've seen of positivity with him are really impressive. He's had no issue getting the counting stats high, but again, efficiency has to come along for him as well. And uh, just overall decision-making granted, he wasn't supposed to be the lead guard this year. That was never the intention. So he's playing an entirely different role than I'm sure what he was thinking he would in October. So he's having to adjust on the fly. I'm willing to cut him some slack as well, but I think there's a lot of rooms to room to improve for him on uh, as a ball handler. So outside of the ball handling, what would you say would be the biggest area that you would like to see him improve on? <laughs> His defense is rough. It is just all around. Uh, they got a lot to work on there. Is it like just the, the feel? Cause you know, like a lot of times, when people think of a guy that's a good defender, they just think of physical tools, athleticism, and they automatically think, oh, well, he's a good defender. So for those that haven't been watching and that think Jaden Ivey is a good defender, like what makes his defense rough? Yeah, I mean, he does have the tools. And I think in college, he was a good defender. He's giving up on a lot of plays, especially on drives. He kind of just surrenders. So a lot of it's effort-based. He's a little bit late on rotations and things like that. A little bit just one step behind him when you have a league full of so many guys who have a first step that are just lightning quick. That's a like big his. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what what do you think about his pace? Like that was my biggest concern for around him last year was I felt like he didn't really have a pace. It was straight to the rack, which, you know, it worked for Westbrook, a guy that just kind of went hundred miles an hour. Do you think like he's improved his pace or do you think he's just still going to be who he is as a one-speed guy? I think it's it's tough to say because, again, he's not playing with Cade Cunningham, but I think when he's by himself, he's going to be that one-speed guard. When he's with Cade, he can play multiple speeds, and honestly, that might be the best way to balance it as long as he can just come more efficient at this high speed. All right, Benedict Matherin, who is probably the runner-up for Rookie of the Year. Some may think that the gap is closing. Has he exceeded expectations, or is he about right where you thought he would be? So I had him as the fifth ranked player. I was really high on Benedict Mather and, and I feel like he's exceeded even my high expectations. I, I think there was a lot of concern. Uh, I know a lot of people on draft Twitter didn't like his passing and his feel for the game because of it. 
And it's looked so good. He's meshed with Rick Carlisle, who's a guy who really put hammers home that like feel for the game, basketball intelligence, and he's thrived. I don't know the last time we ever saw a rookie this close to the front of six man of the year. And he's thriving in that role. He's just so good in everything he does. You know, with, with Matherin, and I, I mean, you can go back and check the footage. I, He was a guy that I felt like if he adds, if he's more consistent with the shot creation, he could be one of the better players in this draft. And I had said it, I don't know if it was a year before or two years before, but I felt the same way about, about Vassell. I'm like, at the minimum, you're going to get a three and D guy at the very minimum. But if he puts it together, you might have an all-star and Vassell maybe one day, but I think Matherin is going to be an all-star in the future. And if you look at his game now, it looks totally different than his game, his freshman year, like his freshman year, he shot threes shot. I mean, he was efficient. He got to the line a lot, but it was more so off of activity and hustle plays and it was very little like shot creation, pick and roll stuff. And now he's just, I mean, he's improved and added to his game, which is something that you want to see all rookies do or all guys that we're talking about as prospects, but not all of them improve at the rate that he has. So I think that the Pacers got to still there. I still think that if Ivy and Matherin flip-flop teams and switch, it'd be a better fit. But that's just my opinion. All right, at number seven, Shade and Sharp. And this is, like, I think with him, everybody's expectations were, we don't know. <laughs> like, we don't know what to get. He didn't have much to judge him on. He has shown some flashes. But what have your thoughts been about, about Shade and Sharp? Yeah, I, I have no idea what my expectation was because he is a high schooler, and you never know how high schoolers translate. Some of them are LeBron. Some have a really tough learning curve. And Shade and Sharp's actually had – I think good success. The free throw percentage is a little bit low, but he also just doesn't go there to the line. Um, but I just, I'm impressed with his ability to score in transition. I think once he learns how to score in the half court more consistently, especially as a creator, I think the flashes are all there given how good he is in transition. He could really hit his unbelievably high ceiling that we talked about all last year. So yeah, like the second half of the season, I'm a Blazers fan. Actually, I have on a Blazers shirt. If you can see <laughs> You're going to play the role of GM. What should the Blazers do? They're in a really tough spot. I mean, I would probably, I like the fit for most of the players they have. Like, I think it's a good roster. I think they got burned by when Dame was out, but there's just not enough progress to prove that they're a top six team, which anything's it's reachable, but I just don't think they're better than like the eight seed right now. And I guess you could buy a little bit, I don't think you can stand still. I think you have to lean sell or lean buy and just kind of see where it goes for the rest of the year. Yeah, and I don't know which direction I want them to go in, honestly. It's almost like, what can you do to get better? Like, what assets do you have to get, I mean, to like make a significant trade that's going to make you better? Or are you like, you know what? Do we hit the reset button again and just... If Shaden and Ant are the future, do we just say, hey, Shaden, you're going to be starting for us and go ahead and get your 30 minutes per game, and we're just thinking of long term. I, I don't know. I have no idea what they should do. It would be interesting to see what they do at the deadline, but I'm kind of confused. I actually had someone reach out to me, and it's like, should Abu Baji get some minutes? And I'm like, if Abu Baji played 
and Abu Baji. If you're not familiar, he's been like a guy that I've been hyping up for the last probably two years. Seven footer from Senegal, but he has been playing. He had had been playing in Spain, like a seven nine wingspan, freaky athlete, and you know you're probably wondering like, well, how come I've never heard of him? I mean, he's extremely raw. I actually had a scout tell me <laughs> this is this is kind of a knock on Houston. He says if you put him in Houston where he doesn't have to think and he just runs and jumps and just plays, he's gonna look good. But if you put him in a system where there's structure and he has to follow defensive principles, he's he's still behind and he's not ready for that yet. And it, it kind of makes sense to me. Cause like he, he played in the G League this year, he showed some flashes. He had like some double doubles and I mean, impressive dunks and blocks. He's still a little raw, but if Portland decides that, you know, they're not going to make the playoffs, I definitely would like to see him in the rotation because Portland's, their bench is pretty thin. All right, number eight, Dyson Daniels. To me, that was one of the bigger surprises of the draft. I didn't think he would go that high. Um, I was at the combine. He did shoot the ball well at the combine. I also felt like with his size and versatility, there's some value there, but I think as just a person, like if you actually talk to him and meet him, you're going to be really, really impressed. I think that helped him out. But what have your thoughts been about, about Dyson Daniels so far? Yeah. I, another guy, I've really liked what he's done as a rookie. I didn't expect him to be this good right away because I thought the jump shot had so many concerns, but uh, he's probably the best player in the league averaging under five points a game. Uh, you know, hopefully that first part doesn't get snipped. Uh, he's the best player in the league, but you know, he's actually really efficient in what he does. Just, I think he's a glue guy right now and he's going to get better and better as that glue guy, as he progresses his career. Yeah. Um, do you think his role becomes significantly reduced with Brandon Ingram coming back? Yeah, that's, that's the one thing for him is just, he's kind of benefited from injuries. How's he going to look when the team is healthy? How's he going to be able to earn minutes? It's going to be a little bit of an unknown. Yeah, that's. Um, I didn't think that he had a clear path to playing time anyway, and then injuries have helped him out. You figure, you know, just with with their depth and and the position that they're in. But I mean, he's made the most of it. All right, when we return, we'll cover picks nine through fourteen, and then we'll just talk about a few guys that were not se selected in the lottery and how they're doing. Stay tuned. All right, last segment. And we're going to start this last, last segment off with Jeremy Sohan. We talked about him at the opening, and he has played really well. So, I mean, I think I may know the answer to this. Exceeded, <laughs> or is he a big surprise to you? Well, as somebody who had him in the 20s on his big board, this might come as a surprise, but uh, I have him as very much exceeding my expectations. Just everything he's done outside of three-point shooting, I feel like has been positive for him. So every year, like when I have a guy that does a lot better than I expected, I learn something from it. Do you feel like there's anything that you've learned from evaluating Sohan that that you're going to apply like going forward? Yeah, never undervalue undervalue the just the importance of uh, a feel for the game. This is like not the first time I've been burned by that. Just it it carries a guy so much. Like it has such a high floor to have that skill. I think it's super valuable and that's why he's been successful in San Antonio. Now, was it like a aesthetics thing for you? Like I tell people now Halliburton, I would have missed on him. Well, I, I had him about right about where he went, but 
that I see like all-star and some people even feel like if you do a redraft of 2020, there are some people that think he would go number one over Ant and LaMelo. Um, Bane. Bane. So at the minimum, you can say he's four, right? And, but for me, I think going forward, I would, I would miss out on him this year too, because I personally like, point guards that get downhill, get to the free throw line. Um, I I saw him as a connective tissue. So, you know, it's kind of making me wonder, is Anthony Black this guy that I've kind of boxed into a connective tissue, but he may be a little bit better. So for, for you and Sohan, was it just a style thing? Was it just like, like a, a preference? Like, you know, some guys, they want their wings to be either three and D. They want their fours to be, you know, either floor spacers or low post guys. They want their centers to be lob threats. So do you have like a certain style that you like for, for guys position wise? Yeah. I think having athletic wings, I think that's kind of my thing. And, you know, offensively his athleticism didn't pop unless it was one on zero at the rim. And I like guys who can dunk in traffic and he just didn't really do that. And I thought that plus the first step out of attacking closeouts was mild and, you know, I thought that combination would really hurt him. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I think you have to be a, a really good shooter to really see how well guys attack closeouts because, I mean, I don't think teams were <laughs> giving him hard closeouts while he was at Baylor. All right, number 10. This is an interesting one. Johnny Davis was the 10th pick in the draft. Um, He hasn't lived up to... I mean, even the lowest of low expectations. I don't think anybody saw it this bad. The struggle started in summer league. What are your thoughts? Just your brutally honest thoughts on Johnny Davis. I don't know how you rebuild that value. I mean, even in the G League, he's really struggling. He got 10 points a game, but it's on 11 shots a game. It's really hard not to be a double-digit scorer in the, in the G League. He's just there. He's at 31%. He's not shooting the ball. He's shooting 31% in the G League? Overall. From the yeah, floor. From the floor. And from three, 22.5%. So wait, wait, that's like 50-something uh, percent combined. Yeah. That's <laughs> it's bad. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if Washington just cuts the cord right away this summer in a bigger deal. I don't know if they can do that. I think it's one of those things where you got to <laughs> – I mean, I don't know if – yeah, I don't know if you give up that early i i think that you have to see has he just completely lost his confidence and you have to try to find a way to rebuild that you know and i haven't said this like out loud but i think if i'm tommy shepherd or johnny davis the guy that i'm reaching out to and they don't play alike is jj reddick jj did not play much his first two years he was, I want to say he was around the same range. He was a lottery pick. Um, definitely had a lot of expectations. Had a lot of people that doubted if he could play or not. Just because, you know, um, let's just be honest. If you're white and you're a shooter at Duke, people are just going to put you into this box. And if you don't succeed early, they're going to say, see, I told you so. And he already had a lot of people that just didn't like him, period. But for him to be able to, like, block out the noise and not really play much his first two years, and then end up having a really good career after that, 
it says a lot about just like his mental toughness. And then I listened to a podcast about his work ethic and actually had a friend of mine that coached for Orlando. And this was years ago when he told me, and I remember I was working with the Texas legends and this guy had, he worked with Orlando. And I remember making the comment, man, JJ Reddick is a bust. And his exact words is I've never seen anybody work hard. He says, he's going to be all right just because of his work ethic. He's like, he's having an adjustment period now, but he was like, even when he's not playing, his work ethic is crazy. And so, you know, listening to JJ, he said that he wasn't the guy that took summers off. He said that his off season started on the, the Saturday or, or the Monday after the season ended. And I think if you're Johnny Davis, you have to reach out to Reddick and just see, hey, can I work with you during the summer? How can I build my confidence? Because to me, that's that's the major thing that he's lacking right now. Yeah, I like that. That's a good uh, that's a good point of reference for him. All right. Uh, we'll talk about the two guys on the Thunder, Ushman Jang and Jalen Williams. What have your thoughts been on the two Thunder guys? Yeah, I really like Jalen Williams. I think he's got a strong case to be on first team all rookie. Yeah. He's been great on defense. I think his scouting report has translated almost one-to-one. The only difference really is, is that just his three-point shot has not been there, which gives me a lot of confidence of his scoring upside when he starts hitting in threes. What's crazy is this is a guy that wasn't even projected as a lottery pick until around the combine. And he showed up at the combine when other guys didn't. And what about Jang? Have you had a chance to really watch him? I know he's been going back and forth and, and in the G league and he's, I think he was more of a long-term project, even though he was drafted one spot higher. What have your thoughts been on him? Yeah, I haven't seen a ton of him. I've kept up a little bit in the G League. In the NBA, I haven't really, you know, I don't care too much about what he's doing up there because a lot of the minutes I didn't feel like were valuable and it wasn't set up for success a ton. Whereas in the G League, I think he's getting more individualized run. He's somebody the jury's still out on. I don't feel like making a conclusion at this point and leaning one way is easy. So I'm kind of staying out of that one, but I think the upside is still achievable from everything I've seen. It's not bad right now. So what are you, what are your thoughts been on Jalen Duran? I noticed like, I don't know if you've been following like Nick's Twitter, like they now they're like upset. I remember <laughs> saying that I, I think I probably had him going, maybe it was like Mark Williams, but, and every Knicks fan was like, we don't need a center. We don't need a center at all. You're an idiot. Why would you take a center? Now it's like, I mean, Knicks fans wish they would have kept that pick. So what have your thoughts been on, on him? Yeah, Jalen Duran has blown me away. I was somebody who wasn't exactly the highest on him. I thought, you know, he would be really raw in year one. And he's out here just being great on defense. He's finishing very well at the rim. He's been efficient. Just thriving in this at the rim role on both ends. I'm a big fan of what I've seen there. And I think... The only downside isn't even his fault, but like imagine him with Kate Cunningham. I think his ceiling is going to be that much higher. Yep. And then Ochai Baji, a guy that I was kind of shocked that he wasn't playing. Leaf told us that he wasn't going to play. He's starting to get some minutes now, but what have your thoughts been on him? Yeah, David's been talking about him. I know on his podcast, once he started going off, I think this is like about a week ago, I heard his podcast and he was saying just the attitude and everything has changed on the court, both from him and when he's out there. He's been efficient. He's averaging over five and a half points a game, but he's just shooting lights out off of screens. He's coming across cleaner off those screens. Like he's just doing everything that's asked of him as a shooter successfully, and it's making a difference. All right. So we covered the lottery. 
who are the guys or guy could be one or two guys that were not selected in the lottery that in a redraft you would have in the lottery. Yeah. This is the guy I referenced earlier. I was very wrong on him. Uh, I put him as my 75th pick or uh, on my board, excuse me. And I whiffed, but Walker Kessler has blown me away. I mean, him as a rim protector, I, I think, defensively he still needs to be better about isolation and being put on an island i think that's something the jazz have hidden pretty well but i mean they're putting him in a really successful spot just staying at the rim on both ends and he is raking like i think he had a 2020 game the other week too yeah against rudy gobert well gobert oh yeah that's like, right i think he had like a hamstring or growing pool he didn't play the whole game but you know to that person that just looked at the box was like oh my gosh he had a 2020 game against Gobert but Gobert didn't play the the full game so here's a question that I have to I mean I'm asking myself right so when I think of Jalen Duran I think James Najee from Barcelona is similar so when I see Duran's success I'm thinking okay you know what I think Najee could play the same role and and, and Duran is like you said he's been playing without their best playmaker. Even though Killian has played well, but you imagine, all right, if if Cade can get him two more buckets a game or one more bucket and one more free throw attempt, that's significant. So I think James Najee could be like a poor man's Duran. And what are your thoughts on like Donovan Klingon having a Walker Kessler type impact? I've seen you tweeting about him. He is definitely flying under the radar. I could see it. He would need a strong march, I think, to get that first-round pick or something. But, I mean, just the way he carries himself on defense, it is kind of similar to the way he controls the paint. I could see it after after my Walker-Kessler evaluation. I'm open to it. I'm not definitely not going to say no to, to that comparison. Yeah, I could see him coming back, but I could see him testing the waters and then, you know, having strong workouts. And all of a sudden, you just kind of see him come out of come out of nowhere. Uh, has is there any player from this class that has made you reevaluate or think twice about somebody in twenty twenty three? Good or bad? That's, that's tough. Um, I think, I mean, AJ Griffin for one is probably who I would go with because. I mean, he's been ridiculously efficient as the best shooter from the class, I would say. I mean, it's carried over. So that makes me be a little bit higher on Grady Dick and Jet Howard. I think those two guys are great beneficiaries of A.J. Griffin's success. Now, is there anybody like the opposite where you're like, okay, I made a mistake on this guy. I thought this guy would be better. He's not, and this player is similar. You know... I, I don't have somebody for 2023 that could match this, but the way Johnny Davis underperformed, I really did not like him in the 2021 portion of the season. I came around, I watched probably too much tape and saw too many highs from his game. And I think it made me buy into it. I changed my original stance, but for me, it's just kind of those guys who they, he's more of an off ball guard. I think he had a system built for him at Wisconsin, that kind of stuff that can be red flags for somebody being drafted to do not that role of being a main guy. Yeah. You know, I've, and I'm more confident in my eye this year than ever. And everything you said just tells me, trust your first instincts. Now, on one hand, yep. you can say, well, you know what? Don't be afraid to change your board. But sometimes your first, your first instincts is correct. And I know there's plenty of guys that I'm like, 
okay, I started looking for reasons to like them and I started liking them and come to find out I was right all along that this guy's just doesn't have it, right? <laughs> so yeah, that's that's my thing this year. I'm trusting my gut instincts. All right, well, that wraps up. I mean, we can probably, we, we may be able to do a, a part two sometime next week, but we were able to cover the lottery and a few guys that were taken outside of the lottery. Well, that wraps up this episode, but thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And now for your second listen, make the Game to Game Podcast. Every moment, every type of performance, every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. So follow Game to Game on the Locked On NBA Big Board. I'm sorry, on the Locked On NBA channel, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow with my guy Richard Stamen. And we just discussed and talked a little bit about the lottery picks and a few other guys from the 2022 NBA draft class and how it makes us evaluate 2023. Hopefully everyone has a great weekend and we are out.